Hi, everyone. This is Alicia Halliday, and this is the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. Prozac, the antidepressant with the real name fluoxetine, is one of the most widely medications used to treat autism out there on the market. It isn't FDA approved for autism, and a few studies have been done that shows that it doesn't even really work that well for the core symptoms of autism. What studies? Well, they're not perfect, but I'm going to talk to you about two of the largest ones today. In fact, prior to this year, they were all pretty terrible. At least the ones I'm going to talk to you today were randomized clinical trials. A meta-analysis of the ones in the past 10 years concluded that even though the effect was large in some of the small studies, they were so poorly designed and they had so much variability They included things like case studies and open-label trials, as well as a high level of activation, meaning hyperactivity and restlessness, that scientists really couldn't determine whether or not they worked well or not. This meant that larger, randomized, placebo-controlled clinical trials looking at smaller doses should be done. Now, another comprehensive review published a few years ago of some smaller, again, non-randomized clinical trials looked not just at Prozac, but all selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. These include things like Paxil and Celexa. You may have heard Prozac, Paxil, and Celexa before. That study also showed no effect. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors keep serotonin in the synapse longer, so it has more of a chance to have an effect in the brain. It also changes the neurobiology of the cell synapse after repeated use. But between Paxil, Prozac, and Celexa, each different drug has a different profile. So some of these early studies probably weren't as precise as they would be if they were done today. The results of the review showed no effect on core symptoms of autism by use of SSRIs. So why would people use it? Well, it's relatively easy to get. It's cheap with insurance and even without since it's on generic now. People do tend to feel better for the most part when they're on it, and it may help people in some multiple ways other than autism symptoms itself. But let's start somewhere. And this year, two large-ish randomized placebo-controlled clinical trials were published using a low dose of Prozac in two independent studies in two different countries using approximately the same parameters for the same period of time. They were just coincidentally published within months of each other because they took over five years to recruit to just get 120 participants split between the placebo and Prozac group in each study. Now, the first one published in July was the largest of the two, and it was called something called SOFIA, Study of Fluoxetine in Autism. It included 18 autism treatment network sites across the U.S., and it was done in order to replicate a low-dose study that showed no effect. In all, the SOFIA study got 120 participants who finished the study, and about half of them got placebo and half that got Prozac. The average dose of Prozac was 12 milligrams a day. Why was that an average? Don't you just get one dose and go on with it? Well, all randomized participants started with two milligrams per day of Prozac or placebo, and that could be titrated flexibly every two weeks to four, six, nine, 13, to a maximum of 18 milligrams a day. This was done in accordance with the participants' tolerance of the medication and the change in the score on repetitive behaviors. If there was no effect and it was well tolerated, they moved the dose up. 
If there was a change or improvement in behaviors, the dose stayed stable until they got to 18 milligrams a day maximum. Now, there was a total of 14 weeks in the study, and they compared the baseline repetitive behaviors from the start to the end of the 14 weeks. The titration schedule was followed until either the participant's repetitive score decreased by 25% as compared to baseline, or the participant could not tolerate the dose given. Then the dose was reduced to the previous strength. Honestly, the average dose was different based on each person and their tolerance and the week they were looking at it. But 12 milligrams is still kind of a low dose. In perspective, cats get 5 milligrams if they're showing signs of anxiety like peeing in the house. But in the SOFIA study, there was no difference between the group that got placebo and the group that got Prozac in the percent responders. About 40% in both groups showed a response. That means that even if you didn't get Prozac, but you thought you were getting Prozac, you still improved. That's called the placebo effect. The improvements included a measure called the Children's Yale-Brown Obsessive Compulsive Scale for Pervasive Developmental Disorder. It's abbreviated Cybox. And this is a test that was specifically designed to be used by clinicians as a rating that looks at severity of obsessions and compulsions in youth modified for PDD-NOS, which is pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified. That was a previous subcategory of autism, but it still holds for autism today. It's a detailed symptom checklist of possible obsessions and compulsions that's rated zero to four across five severity items. Time spent, interference, distress, resistance, and degree of control. Because this was for kids and not adults, parents rather than clinicians were asked to estimate the child's level of distress if the child were to be prevented from performing a repetitive behavior. These behaviors included things like hand flapping, echolalia, and rocking. Now, it's been used in a few treatment studies, and it shows high reliability and validity. I'm taking time to describe it to you because it was also used in the other large Prozac study I'm going to describe in a minute. In addition to not changing anything for repetitive behaviors measured by the Cybox, it also didn't change anything on what's known as the Global Impression Scale. The Global Impression Scale is a measure used of global severity. It basically looks at improvement over time. There's a score of 1 to 7 assigned at baseline, one being normal and seven being extremely ill. And then it's also looked at again, assessed by a clinician at the end of the study. There was no real belief that Prozac was going to improve social communication behaviors. So that's why the two studies focused on repetitive and restrictive behaviors. Again, there was no difference in global impressions or repetitive behaviors with the same level of activation. What is activation? This is an important point. Sometimes in adults, but more often in children, early doses of Prozac or SSRIs can cause aggression, insomnia, agitation, restlessness, and even anxiety, and this activation has been linked to suicidal behaviors. Because of this concern for activation, the investigators wanted to keep the dose low, not only to prevent possible activation leading to suicidal symptoms, but also because... Clinicians don't start with the highest dose to begin with. They want to start with the lowest dose. Sometimes what happens is the activation behaviors are what you see first or feel first, like in the first few days. And then after about two weeks or so, some other effects are seen, like an easing of depression, possibly changes in repetitive behaviors, anxiety, 
things like that. But activation is not pleasant. Both groups actually showed similar activation. So those that got Prozac showed a certain amount of activation, and those that didn't get Prozac but thought they might be getting Prozac also showed activation. So this indicates that at low doses, activation wasn't really an issue. Okay, so at the same time, another study, which didn't have a fancy name, at least that I know of, was being conducted in the United Kingdom at two sites. That one enrolled 109 people that completed the study. And again, it was both placebo and Prozac groups involved. It lasted for 16 weeks and looked at children and adolescents. So it was almost an independent replication. The endpoints were the same in the most recent study, being that the Cybox was used, and also something called the Repetitive Behavior Scale, which measures, as you think, repetitive behaviors, and also the Aberrant Behavior Checklist, which rates 58 specific symptoms and provides comprehensive descriptions for each behavior. These behaviors are grouped into five categories, irritability, social withdrawal, stereotyped behavior, hyperactivity, and inappropriate speech. So again, you're looking, at, you're looking at behavioral issues, repetitive behaviors, irritability, stereotyped behaviors. There were no differences, again, between the groups in anything, repetitive behaviors, aberrant behaviors, global impression, and even anxiety. And while the second study from the UK didn't report the average dose of Prozac across the 16 weeks, it started around 4 to 8, depending on the weight, and ended about 30 to 40, depending on the weight. The same rules applied about increasing the dose if there was no effect and decreasing if adverse events were observed. So the dose was a little bit more than the first study, but still not enough to see an effect on repetitive behaviors and also not enough to see any differences in including activation. Again, both groups, both the placebo group and the Prozac showed an improvement across the, the study and both groups showed an increase in activation across the study. So here's the thing. If Prozac really does not work, why are so many people using it anyway? Brian King, a psychiatrist from UCSF, had this very same question that he posed in an accompanying editorial to the paper. Are there unknown beneficial effects that are not measured in these clinical trials? Is it especially good for those with extreme repetitive behaviors or high levels of anxiety? The baseline levels of these things were about the same in both groups, so maybe looking at subgroups would show a difference. It's interesting, too, that there was a pretty big placebo effect, and that if families went to the doctor and were given a sugar pill, they would still say that the Prozac helped them. So this is why maybe it's receiving so much praise for families and so many prescriptions for doctors. Also, maybe repetitive behaviors aren't the main effect. Anxiety was measured through the Cybox, but not any other precise measure for anxiety. Now, that's okay because anxiety was not the focus of the study, but maybe future studies need to use other measures of anxiety. The catch behind that is that very few measures of anxiety besides the Cybox have actually been studied in people with autism. This is why you hear researchers saying that the outcome measures in clinical trials are so important. So the lesson here is this. Prozac seems to be pretty safe at low doses, that is. I take Prozac at 40 milligrams, so a high dose of 30 probably is a highish to moderate dose, but I've heard of people taking up to 100 milligrams a day. There was not any difference in adverse events compared to placebo, so it also seems to be pretty innocuous. After two largest studies, it doesn't seem to be harmful or helpful, 
but the placebo effect is large enough that people may experience a benefit from taking something that they even think could alleviate some repetitive behaviors, including stereotyped or repetitive behaviors. Science needs more studies with better outcome measures. But for now, based on everything we know, Prozac does not help, at least in the core symptoms of autism. The jury is still out for associated features like anxiety and depression, both huge issues for people with autism. If you need Prozac and your doctor agrees, try it. If it doesn't work for you or your family member has adverse events like activation, stop taking it. There may be something else that can help you, and the studies show that it's really not helping with those core symptoms of autism. Sugar pills work just as well. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week.